0: One more quick thing before we get started today That's a quick shout out and thank you to the folks at Phillies Nation That's philliesnation.com In case you haven't noticed, we've partnered with Phillies Nation to help spread the word of Phillies Therapy And, for our part, spread their word of excellent Phillies coverage day in and day out That's philliesnation.com You can find the Phillies Therapy Podcast embedded there below some posts Thank you again to the fine folks out there Go check them out, give them some support, show them some love Okay, on to the real thing And a good Tuesday morning to all of you out there. Welcome to Phillies Therapy. My name is Paul Boyer, joined as always by the Athletics' Matt Gelb. It is July 18th. We are less than two weeks away from everybody's favorite trade deadline. The Phillies over the weekend solidified themselves as buyers by taking three out of four from fellow postseason contender San Diego Padres, who are in a bit of trouble. More on that a little bit later. We've got some interesting things happening this week with Bryce Harper set to make his debut at first base, some reconfiguring going on in the outfield. We'll also look ahead to some interesting trade deadline prognostications early, floating a couple interesting ideas. And then we'll talk about Immaculate Grid, because honestly, I just I love that game so much. But first, let's bring in Matt. Matt, hello. How was your weekend?
1: Uh, Long tiring uh yeah yeah, the reason why we're recording this on Tuesday I apologize is that I told Paul that uh I needed a day to just not think about baseball uh and uh it was uh it's pretty sure that I just I I mean I, I felt like I lived at the ballpark uh this past weekend and uh yeah I mean but what a weird I mean really a weird weekend uh the the Padres are are kind of a mess, and uh, you, you alluded to that. I, I do think they're a really interesting team to follow in the next 10 days because I think they are going to really set uh, the tone, I think, for the trade deadline, just the trade market. If they decide to sell off some pieces, I'm not even talking about Juan Soto, uh, that will have influence on the rest of the market, so that bears watching. But, uh, yeah, sweaty, tired, uh, weird weekend. <laughs>
0: Sweaty being the operative word for sure. No, it was it was a good weekend. Uh, we were talking before we hit record here uh, about how the weekend got off to such kind of a clunky start. It's almost like they, it's almost like they piggybacked off of some kind of wave in the ninth inning of that first game you know, they were getting, are you, their, are you saying
1: their... that Luis Garcia got them back on track?
0: I, you know what? I can't rule it out because they were getting their butts handed to them. They scratch a couple more runs across and yeah, they still didn't come close to tying the game, but it's still like, okay, you got maybe they showed the a game. little bit of light, you know, because they look dead for most of that game. And then they come back, they sweep the double header. They look good on Sunday. Uh, a couple wild games, some strange umpiring. Yeah. I don't know how much you can really take away from that series in definitive conclusion terms, but the fact of the matter is, they won three or four. They pushed the Padres further away, and we're getting to a bit of a, a wheat versus chaff situation here with the NL wild card. And the Phillies are firmly planted in good position to seize that spot. You know, Arizona is coming back down to earth with the Dodgers. You know, reassuming their control, and the Giants coming back in. Brewers are coming back down a little bit. The Marlins, well, actually, the Brewers are okay. The Marlins as we've long anticipated are starting to come back down to earth a little bit more. Uh, The Phillies are in good position. They really are. And it's been sort of a quick turnaround that they've just inserted themselves, you know, not back into contention for maybe like the third spot for, but for really like getting up there into that first spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, like right now, if you want to use Fangraphs projected odds and projected stands, I mean, right now the Phillies are projected for 87.6 wins. Uh, Sounds about right. And, and that would be the third most wins in the National League. And I, I, I like I know we keep saying this like they haven't played their best. But now we're at a 36 game stretch here where they are 26 and 10. It's their best 36 game stretch uh, since 2011. And there you go. I know those are random endpoints, but
0: <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> you know, I, the other end point I keep looking back and I've started to think about this in broader terms is that Paul, they're on like a 92 win pace since the fifth day of the season and those first four games aren't they don't just get magically eliminated like they're part of your record like that that was a terrible start to the season but we can also on the other hand admit that this is a different team and there were unusual circumstances they're also playing what we now know to be the rangers to be a a very good baseball team oh yeah Uh, and so since the fifth day of the season they're on a 92 win pace that's a, it's a pretty large sample and it, it gives us a decent indication of, of what this team uh, I think is capable of and yeah they now have the best odds uh according to fan to to win a wild card spot and outside of what the Phillies did this past weekend against the Padres I do think the bigger development was the Marlins and Diamondbacks showing a little uh vulnerability right now and and I think the Marlins are feeling the effect of their their best starting pitchers now in the minors. Uh, Yuri Perez and Dimebacks haven't had pitching all year, and that's starting to catch up to them. The Giants, I cannot explain because I actually think out of the four teams, the Phillies, the Marlins, Giants, Dimebacks, I think the Giants are the worst team. Yet they keep winning. <laughs> so I can't. I, I
0: can never do it with the Giants. I can't. I don't want to turn this into another Giants thing. Sorry. Keep, no, I'm, I know. Going. I know it's weird.
1: I, I talk about this with people, and it's like you look at that roster, and the uh, roster is it's just it's not good. It's not a good roster, oh, but my they God. keep winning. So uh it's that gabe magic Um, oh boy but and and this is for a conversation further down the line because there's a lot of other stuff to get to but I, i do think that as this thing crystallizes as we get into august and if this does play out like we think it'll play out paul like i think the priority for the Phillies, like the biggest task is going to be to get that first wild card spot because as the four seed the top wild card you host that first series and I think that would be really, really important for the Phillies to do that. Uh, if they get the four seed, that also puts them on the line where they would avoid the Braves uh, until the National League Championship Series if they were to get there. Uh, and I think that's good too. So a lot can change. You know, The Phillies, I'm sure, are going to go through another downstretch at some point. They will be mm-hmm. challenged. There will be some adversity. Uh, but things are in a good spot right now. And and I do really think that that it's going to become the priority of getting that fourth seat, that top wildcard spot. And it doesn't seem that outlandish, does it?
0: No, no, absolutely not. And I think there's no shame in letting another team do your dirty work, you know, in terms of eliminating the Braves, right? Like there's no shame in being <laughs> like, yeah, all right. We, we got the best position we could let somebody else, you know, take on the Braves and try and knock them out in a five game series, which could obviously happen. And of course it's no guarantee that the home team, you know, wins in the wild card of course we saw it with the Phillies against the Cardinals but this team absolutely plays better at home they needed that 13 game road winning streak to in part just now only be one game over 500 on the road for the year but I don't think there's anything that's really blocking them or standing in their way of being a serious contender for that number four seed. and of course just to refresh everybody's memory in in case you forgot because last year's format was new as Matt was saying, you would be the number four seed in the top wild card because the three divisions take the one, two, and three seeds with the top two getting buys into the division series. So if you're the top wild card, you're the number four, and you host the number five. There you go
1: and And the other thing too, is is that it, it, I feel like there's been a very clear separation, right? just just after the break here. Like we have I think what we're looking at here is essentially uh, what is it? four teams for three spots five teams for three spots i mean yeah. you have the giants the reds the diamondbacks the phillies and the marlins mm-hmm. and, and the reds obviously are it's red slash brewers i guess with the, whatever central for the team division doesn't yeah. the central yeah yeah so you have five teams for three spots now and if, if you're setting your sights in the four seed that's cool too but if you're just saying i just want the phillies to get in okay well they just need to be better than two of those teams for the remainder of the season and I, I think the fact that everyone else is, I mean, there's a, there's a huge gap now between, uh, you know, everybody else. I mean, they're, 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 I don't know. I mean, the next, the Padres are like the, the team, I guess, after that, that group of five that you're like, maybe they could push their way into it. But really, I mean, there's starting to be some separation here. I mean, the Cubs uh, are losing games. Uh, the Mets are, I don't know, the Mets. Uh, <laughs> so You know, you're, you're, you're really, there's separation uh, happening here.
0: Well, I mean, look look at it this way, right? The the Dodgers are the number two team in the NL right now at 53 and 39. The Reds are at 50 and 44. So there's four games between the Dodgers and the Reds. And in between the two of them are five teams, including the Phillies. So that's, that's a four game spread with all those teams. The gap between the Reds and the Padres right now is six games. And yeah. the Padres are next up. So there is that gulf that is absolutely emerging. You know, it's a um it's definitely a situation where the timing is great for the Phillies as a true contender to look at these other teams falling off and be like, okay, they're probably gonna look to sell some pieces now as the trade deadline comes right. up. Right.
1: That's the time the timing too, right? That these uh-huh. teams are falling off ahead of the deadline, and that will yes. almost all only force them into one action. Yeah.
0: Yes. I, I think the real the real interesting play. The Padres for sure. I, I have a hard time imagining they would flip Soto again so quickly right now, but it, it could happen. I don't know. Trades are kind of weird these days, but I would really, <laughs> I would think hard about what the Mets are about to do. And I think the they're going to get a, the Mets
1: have the outfielder. I think they should Philly should go get.
0: Now, who are you going to say? Because my, my first thought was somebody like, you know, Mark canna who could work, but like, I, I don't think that's he who works. you're going to say.
1: No Tommy Fan.
0: like I, I think
1: I look at Tommy Fann and like he would be the fit.
0: Mm, and okay, you know
1: he's played a better left field this year. His numbers against lefties are fantastic, and, and that's okay. what you'd be acquiring him for. You'd be acquiring him for his right-handed pop. Uh, sure. He's got an eight eighty-nine OPS in like a hundred played appearances against lefties. His numbers against righties have been pretty decent too, seven seventy-nine OPS. But he's got way more pop. Slugging percentage is like a hundred points higher against lefties. Um, uh, he's always hit lefties and yeah, like he's got, you know, he's got a personality and, and,
0: uh, oh, yes. by all accounts, he's really fit in in
1: New- <laughs> no, by all accounts, he's like really fit in New York. And like, he, he came in like kind of as a DH and he said, no, I want to play more of the field. And he's improved his left field. Uh,
0: yeah, he's been fine.
1: He's, I, I, I don't know. Like I look at him and I, I think just because it's the Mets and it's the Phillies and maybe you don't think the divisional rivals can match up on a trade. I, I. I think they could easily match up on a trade. And I think Tommy fan makes a ton of sense now.
0: Well, yeah, that would be the realization of, of a pursuit I've had in mind for, you know, a year or two now, I think back to when he was a free agent following his San Diego tenure when he didn't really have a great showing last year. And I think it, it made some sense to kind of let him slip off the radar. And I, and I certainly did, but he's really bounced back. I think you're right. And from an offensive perspective, you can't do a whole lot better than him in a corner spot at this trade deadline you know now, and if the... you go
1: back and look, look if you go back and just look at his history against lefties it's it's very good and i know he's not the same player as he was four years ago but um uh, the tracker is pretty darn good there against lefties
0: right and and that's the thing that's what the phillies need they need a corner outfielder who can hit left handers regardless of how the hitter actually hits in this case fam is right-handed so there you go He's doing good. He's having a nice year. He's he's capable out in left field, which I think is, you know, (laughs) the bar is not super high right now, but you do want somebody who can actually maybe pick it a little bit out there. You have defensive replacements if you need to fall back on that for late in games. I think that makes sense. It does. You know, it's somebody in that mold too, right, fam. Canna is, you know, he obviously doesn't have the pop. He's maybe a little bit better of a defender still a little more patient. Depends on what kind of approach I think you want. Yeah, yeah. Better on base guy. You can think about somebody like Randall Grichuk out in Colorado. who has got a little bit of pop. Definitely doesn't help with the the plate discipline thing that the Phillies lineup currently has through most of its spots. But again, that's fine. And he's he's decent out there in a the corner. I think they have options. And I think Tommy Pham is interesting. Like from a from a pure baseball perspective. Yeah, I, I would really like that addition a whole lot. I, I think that would give you some balance that would give you Like you said, a little bit of pop, not too much so as to be cost prohibitive. And he steals bases, too. He can still run a little bit. He's 10 for 11 and steals. Can't rule that out. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot working for him right now.
1: Well, so this leads to a bigger conversation, Paul, I think, about like how the Phillies can reimagine their outfield. And and I. I hesitate before I say this, because I don't want it to sound like I'm settling, but I I I think (laughs) the biggest move the Phillies are going to make before the trade deadline is this move that might happen tonight against the Brewers. It's going to happen sometime this week is Bryce getting to first base and Shorter uh, getting off the field. And like, I, I don't want this to be a cop out. I don't want this to be, I hate at the trade deadline when executives say, you know, a guy who's coming back from injury. Oh, he's going to be our biggest you know yeah. trade deadline acquisition. I, I, because of how bad Schwarber has been in left field, I I don't know if there is a move the Phillies are going to make in a trade that is going to be more consequential than getting Schwarber out of the field. Mm. It is a massive massive swing for the Phillies. Am I overstating this?
0: Sadly, I don't think you are. You know, I, I'm sure when the Phillies made the move to pick Schwarber up for four years. They were hoping he could make left field work for a little bit longer than a year and a half, but whether it's still like a nagging physical thing going on that you know is keeping him from being you know super mobile, or just simply he's he's aging into it as he gets into his thirties, it's just it's not working anymore. You know, even some of the balls that he is getting to, you know, we've seen a few glove clanks. It's just, it's not great. And and I do think that he's tried to make it work. He's not lollygagging it or anything like that. Like, it's not an effort thing. But the simple fact is that you you can't play him out there for seven, eight innings, six games a week, and not kind of wince or brace yourself when these balls are hit out to left field. It's not just errors, you know, with the glove clank thing. His range means he gives up extra bases sometimes, too. Whether it's somebody going, you know, stretching a single into a double, or somebody who's able to score from first on a double, like a true double, you need to improve that. And the way to do that, before you even talk about adding anybody from the outside, is to get him off the field more. His bat is why he's in this lineup. He leads and he's off. Been producing, I mean, he had a and great he's Been producing, yes. He had yes. some
1: huge swings for them this weekend, and, and I know mm-hmm. the numbers are not where they were last year, and they need to be better but he had some huge at-bats for them this past weekend.
0: Yeah, like he's still trustworthy at the plate for me. I know you can look at the batting average. If if you're a little bit more traditional, you think, ooh, it's up 200. I don't know about that. But the fact is, he's one of the few guys in this lineup who can work in at-bat. He's got the most pop in the lineup right now. Um, You want him in there to swing the bat. And the way to do that right now, most optimally, to use (laughs) kind of a verboten word, but most optimally, is to have him be the regular designated hitter. Now, for Bryce's part, playing first base, I will use this moment to do one of my every six-week plugs and, and say I was on with Pat Gallen on CBS on Sunday talking about this exact <laughs> thing and sort of wondering loud and saying the quiet part, like, it, it might not go well at first base. You know, we're, we're talking about Schwarber, you know, getting him out of left field because it hasn't been good. Bryce, for his part, hey, absolutely love the effort. You can never say a bad word about trying to make this happen and improve the team this way. This is fantastic. It, it, it truly is. But from an on-field perspective, we don't know how this is going to go. They haven't no. really hid his fielding practice you know, with Bobby Dickerson. They haven't been shielding him like, like they've been doing Noah Song and Andrew Painter when they were trying to you know rehab and, and all that. It's not that, that kind of situation. They're not hiding anything. I don't think it's going to be a disaster. But we don't know. This.
1: No, we don't know. But like, wh- what is one thing we do know about Bryce?
0: He's gonna work, baby. He's gonna work well, at it.
1: Okay, he's gonna work, but he's also he's you know he's pretty image conscious. Like, I I don't think that he would be pushing forward with this if he didn't think he could at least be passable over there.
0: Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> angle to it. Okay.
1: Really, I mean, like, I really, and I actually think he may. I mean, he might, I think he might be better than passable. Um, he is athletic like he sure has a little bit of range like I, I don't know like he's gonna make mistakes like i think there's gonna be some plays where you're gonna yeah. just like smack your head, forehead because you're like ah like a, a guy who's played first base before probably would have made that play and <laughs> right. you know what though like he might make a, that mistake at first but i bet he's able to correct it i mean i, I it is an important position and, and and what he's doing and i've been trying to get uh, do some research into this cuz it's it's difficult to quantify but I mean, what he's doing is is really unusual here i mean changing positions uh in the middle of a season uh a star player doing that in the middle of the season um it's uh
0: in the prime of his career in basically. the prime of his
1: career and it's not just like going from shortstop to third base or going from like right field to left field it's going from you know the outfield to the infield yeah. and Yeah. I mean, first base, is it one of the easier positions on the defensive spectrum to play? Yes, it is. There's a reason why you stick your sluggers there, your older guys. Yes. But, you know, it does take some skill. There are a lot of judgment plays and there's a lot of scenarios and situations that an outfielder hasn't experienced because he's never played on the dirt. And so what he's doing is, you know, really amazing. And I I, I think it's gone, you know, it's definitely been recognized in the clubhouse. Like guys have noticed this. It's like, Okay, like here's Bryce Harper. Like he didn't have to do this. I mean, like right. this is very clearly going to help the Phillies a lot. Like this is really going to help the Phillies if he can do this. If he can make this work, I think it is bigger than any trade they're going to make because Schwarber, by all accounts, is the worst defender in baseball this season, mm. and that has cost them a lot of runs. Yeah, and it's not just on the errors; it's on the balls that fall in, you know, fall in front of them or fall um, down the line or it's on the balls yeah. in the left center gap where Brandon Marsh, like doesn't know if he should, you know, take charge or not. Like, uh, I don't know. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of extra bases given up in left yes. field that aren't accounted by errors. And I think it's going to make the pitching staff better. It's going to make the offense better because I think shoreber off his feet more often will make him a better hitter. Uh, I I think what Bryce is doing is going to help the Phillies immensely.
0: Yes. And, and now with my devil's advocate playing being over, I I think this is, it's, it's truly fantastic. And I will remember this for a long time, this effort, this, this, it is a selfless thing because like you mentioned, there is a little bit of image to it and he is giving up the position that he's played basically exclusively until that injury, you know, for the last eight, nine years, whatever, however long it's been when he moved off of center field there is positioning and footwork and I'm sure that's all they've been drilling, you know, Bobby Dickerson, like that's why it's, it's taken him so long in concert with making sure his elbow can handle some of the throwing that comes with I think the elbow has been position. ready for
1: a bit. I yeah, think I so too. Yeah. yeah. Just, just watching. And I, I do think the last maybe two weeks have been about comfort, you know, yeah, being comfortable going out there again, because they can't send them on a rehab. They can't simulate, you know, they can simulate whatever they want, but like, Right. He's going to step on the field to play first base, and there's no other way to do it. He's just going to yeah. have to do it. Yeah, and and
0: it's a perspective thing, like we had with him, you know, coming back into the lineup immediately when he returned from Tommy John earlier in the season. Like there were probably going to be some growing pains of sorts to grow into. Like this is a guy who was coming back just mere months after major reconstructive elbow surgery, who's getting thrust immediately into the middle of a lineup. And all he's done, you know, he did have that, that Homer drought, but he's still on the seat. He's hitting 300 with a 400 on base percentage for I mean, this right year. He's, yeah. He's it's, got a
1: 126 so. OPS plus he's been right. 26% better than league average. And he has not been Bryce.
0: No, it's, it's, it's crazy. So when you apply that perspective to the fielding of what we're likely to see,
1: yes, yes.
0: It, if you can yes. get a league average first right. baseman out of this experiment, that is it. That is an insane victory on top yes. of getting shorter out of the field. It's crazy. It's not just getting a league average first baseman defensively. It's not that. Because you need to apply that correction to be like, God damn, this is a career outfielder who had his armory built and in the middle of playing every day before games was out there learning an entirely new position for months to get ready for this in order to help this team by improving its defense and potentially improving its trade deadline strategy.
1: Yeah. And I think there's, there are, <laughs> you know? there, are, there, are, there, are there are equivalents to the offense. It's like, yeah. it wasn't pretty, but he made it work. Like he made it still a overall productive piece. And I think you could probably yeah. see some similarities in defense. It's not, it might not be pretty. Like there's going to be mistakes, but if like he's, sure. if we know Bryce, like he's going to try to find a way to make it work. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does.
0: So, that's going to be fascinating. I'm really excited to watch tonight's game, Tuesday's game because that's when it's I think expected. he'll be out there tonight. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Yeah. It's either tonight that, or Wednesday. Okay. So it's it, sometime during this series, he'll be out there, which which will be which will be fun. And I think I I think his his learning from his mistakes that you were just teasing there, I think that plays into sort of the theme of a story you wrote um and was published earlier yesterday. About the Phillies just as a whole, as a unit, as as this collective that is, again, kind of like we saw late last year, buying into itself, really kind of believing that, yeah, they're a little bit ragtag, I guess, and they they have their flaws, sure, but they believe that they are never out of any game. They believe that they are uh, in position to win, basically, no matter what the score is, and they believe who they're throwing out there on any given day, whether it's on the mound or in the lineup, you know, top, middle, or bottom. Look at Jeff Hoffman and what he's been able to do, like turn around his career. Basically, he's one of your 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 main uh, features in this story here. And I think he's sort of emblematic of what's going on, especially with the bullpen and the way the pitching staff has been carrying this team when we all thought the offense was going to do that. Um, Matt, it, it has to just be. It has to just be an incredibly confident vibe to continue to use that word and term in that clubhouse right now, the way they're playing and with the way, you know, all these sort of unsung heroes are coming through for them night after night.
1: Yeah, I, I keep coming back to this idea. It, it this is a team that if you want to break it down piece by piece, like you can poke holes in just about every player this year so far, right? Uh yeah. I mean, take each guy and 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 look at him and you're like, even the Castellanos who is their all star and he's probably been their most consistent here. I mean you watch his at-bats and you watch him every day and you're like, is this guy good? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, is he having a good year? Like, yes, he is. But you know, there's moments where you're really wondering about what's going on there. And you you can poke holes in just about every single player and also every pitcher too, if you wanted to. And so like it is a team that does feel like the sum is greater than, than its parts. And that is something that we could not say about the Phillies before last year. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kept, Seeing all these great star performances, but they just couldn't get enough from the other pieces. Yeah, and they've gotten more from the rest of the roster this year, and that. And it's really started last summer when Bryce went down with the broken thumb, mm-hmm. and the Phillies really found their footing without Harper in the lineup. And they had different guys step up, and no doubt, like when you get to October, you're. It's when you need your stars, and we saw it. You know, we yeah. saw what happens when. You have two really good starting pitchers, two really good relievers, a few guys in the ho- in the lineup who can hit home runs at any time, and that's a winning formula in, in the postseason. In the regular season, it's not. And <laughs> they they talk about resiliency. I, I generally hate using that word because it's a word I think it that gets tossed around a lot in sports. And that's it's fair. a it's kind of a cliche and oh, this is a resilient group, you know, yada yada yada. We're never out of it. Yeah, okay, great. i i don't know i mean like they they have backed that up i mean i thought the most amazing stat to me was that first of all they hadn't blown a save in a month which is
0: right i know
1: blown saves are not like the best measure of anything yeah you know a blown save can happen in the seventh or eighth inning whatever but they had not blown a save in a month and gregory soto blows a save sunday uh, gives up two runs in the eighth inning and it was just like it's okay, like we will come back and win this game. And a lot of things happened between the eighth inning and the twelfth inning, but they won the game. And sure, so they have had their—they've had their last six blown saves, which is dating back to like May fourth or something. They've had six games in which they've blown saves since May fourth. They have okay. won all six of those
0: games. Oh man! There and you go.
1: That's a good way to measure resiliency. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the fact that there's a lot of guys who have had down seasons and yet the Phillies remain where they are. That's a good way of measuring resiliency. I mean, I, they, they were challenged early in the year with injuries. I mean, losing Reese Hoskins was, was a huge blow. And, and as a whole though, like injury wise, like they've been rather lucky, I would say. Um, and so, yeah you can't necessarily say there's been resilience there, but I mean, missing, missing Bryce is a, you know, that's, I mean, sorry, missing Reese and Bryce at the beginning of the season. Like, yeah, there were, there there took some guys to step up and early in the season, we saw the younger guys step up, stop Marsh and bone were huge in April for them. Yes. And I don't know. I mean, like there's just something about the fact that the, the, the sum has been greater than the parts. And I, 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 I think, Uh, that's an important sort of mindset to have. And they, they, they really got contributions from every player over the weekend. When you think about it, I mean, because it was a doubleheader, they had to use everybody, uh, Mm -hmm. every pitcher pitched, even Dylan Covey and, uh, they got contributions from just about all those guys. And, it hasn't been pretty. They have not played their best baseball. They still are only eighth in the league in runs scored, which mm-hmm. is mind boggling to me. Uh, but here they are. I mean, they are right on. They are right, really, where we thought they would be. Uh, they're right on pace. And I don't know. I don't I don't like. I don't like those buzzwords, those cliches. Uh, but I think they've shown us that in the better part of the last, I don't know. 13 months, Bryce got hurt at the end of June yeah. last year. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a trait that has really stuck with this team, and I'm not going to dispute it.
0: Yeah, I, I think, if anything, these last two seasons have really taught me, in particular, to embrace the intangibles a little bit more. Like, there is some sort of je ne sais quoi, or, like, some kind of, some kind of yeah. thing in the air, some kind of <laughs> baseball, owl, like, like, blessing <laughs> this team. Just like, yeah, you know... it not everything in this game can always be explained. You can, there are a lot of numbers. I love looking at every single number you can feed me to try and look at trends or, or try and understand, you know, is something for real or who's going to come back down to earth? I do, I, I'll I'll pour over that for hours every day. Um, But there is something about this way that this team is playing that I, I can't really find in any particular set of numbers because, and you just touched on a bunch of things, they've had star players underperform they are not being carried by the offense the way they were supposedly built <laughs> coming into this year. They've been without some of their star players for, in one case, the entire season and in some other cases for prolonged stints, both you know on the offensive side and on the pitching side. And yet, like you said, here they are after that first week of the season on a low 90 win something pace not always doing it in the prettiest way, not always doing it in the most emphatic or blowout way, but they're, they're banking wins. And what else yeah, do you and, need to do during the regular season, but bank wins.
1: Right. And there's one, I'll give you a number. I'll give you a stat here that sticks out to me. And this is from uh, a friend of the podcast, Chris Ware, uh, who works in Phillies uh, yeah. PR. Hi Chris. And he, he noted this. Uh, and this is fascinating to me. The Phillies have six guys right now who are, have enough at bats to qualify Okay. With an OPS plus of 105 or better, so five percent better than league average, they have six guys right now qualified with a 105 OPS plus. Mm-hmm. That's tied for the most in the bigs. Texas has got six players with an o- with 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 105 OPS plus. Okay, mm-hmm. the 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 only other time the Phillies in their history had six guys with a with a 105 OPS plus and qualified for the title mm-hmm. was 1892.
0: Oh boy. And this is that like speaks, Billy though, Hamilton
1: era. <laughs> uh yes, sliding Billy Hamilton was Slide on there. Billy Hamilton. Yeah. Ed Ed Delahante was Ed on Delahunty, there. Ed Delahante, yeah. Um so that just speaks, I think though, to the fact that as a whole as a you know, <laughs> they it hasn't been perfect, but they've 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 gotten contributions from a lot of different guys and you know, you keep playing this out and you keep getting those contributions. And at the end of the day, like you feel like they're going to be where they should be. And yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't feel like they have, it doesn't feel like they're like an all time great offensive club in this franchise history. They're not. No. Right. No, they've, they've over the, over the sum of this season, they've gotten enough from, from more guys. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like I, I don't, I, I was stunned by like that. There's no other team other than the Rangers that have a, you know, and that doesn't, obviously, he's not even counting Bryce because he's not qualified for the back touchdown enough at bat. So, like, really, you have seven guys right now who are uh, better than 5% the league, you know, 5% better than league average at the plate. And it hasn't felt like, it doesn't feel like that, does it?
0: No, no, it snuck up on me. You know, I was just talking about how the pitching has carried this team and it has, but that almost sort of like by its, you know, inherent value discounts. offense just when you talk about it like that and really there hasn't been a lot to discount They're average just kind of average in some ways but in other ways like you're mentioning there they're getting performances it hasn't all happened at the same time i think is the thing
1: that's it yeah
0: you know everybody's been arriving at this point in in different ways and through ebbs and flows and maybe that's been what's carrying them you know as somebody slumps somebody else gets hot and you don't have a, a a runaway freight train of an offense like i think texas is you know, it's interesting that they're the comparable right. here because right. they're just bludgeoning think the ball. Of them, yes. exactly. Yeah. Yes. They just, they score all the time.
1: But yeah, if this speaks to the sum being greater than the parts, I mean, cause it's you're mm-hmm. right. They haven't all gotten here, at, you know, to this point, uh, on the same track, but they all got there and the Phillies got where they are right now. And it's a good spot to be. It
0: sure is. All right. Well, we remembered some guys just a couple of minutes ago with the 1892 Phillies. Uh, If you have not yet played today's Immaculate Grid, spoiler alert, you're going to need to skip ahead a couple of minutes uh, if you don't want some answers given away. But Matt and I want to talk about uh, today's Immaculate Grid. If you're not familiar, ImmaculateGrid.com is a a wonderfully addictive daily game because those are all the rage right now. And I'm personally a fan of the the daily game wave. I love starting my day this way. Uh, But Immaculate Grid is a three by three grid with uh, three column headers, three row headers, And at the intersection in each of those nine squares that it forms, you have to find a player that fits the criteria, whether it's having played for two teams, having won an award while on a certain team, having hit a certain season milestone, like 300 batting average. You need to find nine players who fit the bill. And on today's grid, we have a Phillies column.
1: Isn't it great when you wake up and you open Immaculate (laughs) Grid and you see that there's a Phillies, there's a Phillies Uh... uh, column?
0: Yes. Yes. We've been fortunate enough to have, I think, like two or three by this point, uh, just since I've been playing over the last month or so. Um, And this was really a chance, I think, to to get a little bit sicko with it. Normally, I just like to finish and and get the get the satisfaction that I knew nine players who could fit these characteristics. But when it when the Phillies are involved, you got to dig in a little bit. Okay, so, Matt, let's tee it up a little bit here, because I'm interested to see who you picked for this column. Again, spoilers are going to start happening now. The Phillies' intersections were with the Yankees, the Mariners, and the Marlins. Now, again, the rules are they just have to have appeared in a game in the Banger League level for both of those teams. So let's start at the top here with the Phillies and Yankees cross-section. I'm interested to hear who you picked out here. Who'd you go with, and what was the uh, what was the percentage score? Like, what, what was your sicko score for this guy?
1: No idea why this guy popped in my head, but I went with Ricky Leday. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. 0.8% that's uh, a
0: good one
1: ricky LaDay, who in the early days of twitter was not ricky LaDay, but somebody was doing like a ricky LaDay <laughs> uh um, strangest know, thing account and is a strangest account but a very funny thing i don't know why i went with ricky LaDay, but that was my philly yankee
0: that's a good one that's a good one i i also went with a guy who barely played for both teams relative i went with kenny lofton and oh, yeah. he was he was play for the Yankees more frequently game. picked than Ricky LaDay. He was 1%, 1% even as of right now, this updates okay. throughout the day. So your score right. changes. Um, yeah. Kenny Lofton, you know, it's interesting I he it, played
1: for the Yankees. I remember, I mean, i remember right? playing for the Phillies.
0: Yeah. It, it, they play, he played with each team in consecutive years. The year before he came to the Phillies, he played about a half season with the Yankees oh, wow. and was pretty good both years in his late thirties. I'm a little surprised Great he player. didn't make the hall of fame, honestly. Yeah. Um, Next up, we have Phillies and Mariners. So uh, another ALNL crossover here. Matt, who'd you go with um, Who'd you go with for this square? You're
1: going to hate this. <laughs> oh, no.
0: I did. I mean, I was thinking about the trades
1: is, they made. Is That's it Michael Saunders? Out. No. Oh, that oh. was a good one. Oh, I usually okay. think about sometimes I'm trying to solve these things and I'm thinking about trades, right? That's like the best way to figure it out. Okay. And so the last trade the Phillies made was like J.P. Crawford, Carlos Santana, right? Uh, well, there was someone else in that trade.
0: Oh, uh, Oh, Juan the mustache. Nicasio. Oh, oh, I was thinking James Pazos. Who, oh, oh, he actually he didn't, didn't appear pitch in for game. the Phillies. No. Oh, I would have gotten that Ron, wrong. Um,
1: Juan Nicasio who scored
0: 0.2%. Oh, true sicko score there. Holy <laughs> cow. Yeah, that's great. Uh, my my guy was a, a popular Phillies pick, and I'm, I'm very surprised that so few people picked this intersection here at 2% as of this recording. Carlos Ruiz chooch oh yeah he went went to the mariners you know it's where he rounded out his career it was only there you know he was part-time duty then but you know hello chooch two percent all right fine whatever i'm very proud of my next one but i want you to go first we stay in the nl east for our third and final phillies immaculate grid square here phillies and marlins who you got
1: i went with a member of the 2020 bullpen the worst bullpen ever constructed Ooh. and that is brandon Kinsler.
0: Uh. <laughs> you know 0.2
1: percent
0: 0.2 oh man you got me beat you beat me on all three i was so sure i was gonna get this one brandon Kinsler, 0.2 you know i think about brandon Kinsler more than i probably should because <laughs> he <laughs> because he i remember when the when the phillies brought him on and he was like, I, I think about the 10 years of MLB service time plateau a lot, because it's so important to a lot of players to reach this. Like it, it means enhanced pension he benefits didn't get there. And He didn't. He's like nine years and a hundred something days. I think
1: Yeah,
0: he's just and he hasn't been picked up. He hasn't been picked up since the, the a couple of years ago when he was, you know, the 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 fireworks display that he was for that that Phillies bullpen. So he'll just remain short of that. It's heartbreaking in a way. Um, wow, Brandon Kinsler. Okay, well, he, the guy I was so sure was going to win is 03 percent. So you got me beat by a tenth. We were just talking about him a couple of weeks ago. That'd be Logan Morrison. Oh, um, <laughs> that's a good one. Part of the part of the the infinite first baseman Phillies. Uh, we were just talking about him in the early days of, of Twitter. Him being such a such a hit in in I mean the there's early a lot of good season. there's a
1: lot of good answers potential answers you got justin Bohr, you got jeff conine
0: mm.
1: i'm thinking of all oh, these first basemen now yeah mr
0: marlin himself yeah jeff conine would have been a good one um yeah, look, it, some... immaculate grid is a lot of fun right and they, they are not they're not pumping us with anything this is not some sort of sponsorship deal like this is organic this is a lot of fun no, if you like baseball it I want an infinite mode so bad. I want them to procedurally generate this stuff. Just like you. <laughs> I don't because then I would be no. I think
1: it would take away. I would think it would take the way in the novelty of it. You get one a day.
0: One counts for the daily score. You measure up. Just let let me hit refresh on some endless mode. Like just, just let me hit refresh and go through this stuff. I want to burn some time. You Brad think it
1: would Hand. take away Brad Hand, another Brad Marlin, <laughs> Philly. I'm just trying to. Oh. Think. I'm, I'm my brain as we talk. Brad Hand, that's a good one, right? Oh,
0: I forgot Brad Hand was on the Marlins. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Gene is he Siguro? still in Colorado's roster? Is that going to be? What yes. will be? What do you
1: think will be the most answered Marlin, Philly? We're
0: I'm actually I'm looking it up because they have it in their their daily. summary. I haven't yes. finished my
1: grid yet, to be fair. I only filled out the Phillies column. I haven't done anything else yet. So. Oh, nice.
0: OK, so we'll, we'll leave the rest out. But yes, as of as of right now, with 40 percent of submissions, Real Muto in the Phillies Marlin Square. Yeah, OK, that makes sense. Uh, most popular Phillies Mariners suggestion was J.P. Crawford at 17 and Phillies okay. Yankees. Was Didi Gregorius at 28 percent.
1: OK, yeah.
0: Yes, Immaculategrid.com. dot com. Base, the, uh, the baseball reference umbrella corp recently acquired them, which is great. They didn't get swallowed up by something big. Uh, yes. So they're powered by, you know, great data. It's totally free. You just have a little banner out at the bottom, whatever. Again, totally free plug here. Game's a lot of fun. Okay. Spoiler section over in case you magically fast forwarded. What was that? Six and a half minutes, something like that. I don't know. Ballparking it. Matt, we are less than two weeks away from the trade deadline. I think as, as we look to part here, uh, has there been any kind of change in what we can expect? We're still looking at a priority of right-handed outfielder, then maybe a depth starter, and then maybe a bullpen arm. If things work out, does that sound accurate? I've been asking
1: around, trying to get a feel for what Dave Dombrowski might do. And the typical answer is no idea. Um, (laughs) And I think part of that is because like, they really, they don't know if you know, what the Padres and the Mets and the Cardinals are necessarily going to do. I think the Cardinals have started signaling they're going to sell, but that they will not be trading Aaron Otter or Goldschmidt, which is what we all kind of expected. And I mean, yeah, the Angels are kind of a, you know, the Angels and the Padres are very much, you know, sort of the linchpins of this deadline here.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: You know, if the Angels decide to to move on from guys and thinking about an outfielder who isn't Shohei Otani, and that would be Hunter Renfro. Like, maybe he's a fit. I don't know. I mean, like, you're just kind of, like, you're poking around to try to figure out, like, you know, who might be potential fits. And this is how the Phillies do it. I mean, like, they're, you know, they have people working for us trying to figure out, okay, like, if this team were to sell, like, you know, which which guys could we go after? What would they want? You know, you start having those conversations. And I think right now it's just, uh, it's so unclear, like, what, you know, are the Cubs going to sell? Like, are the Cubs going to trade? stroman and bellinger like bellinger bats left-handed but i mean i don't know he'd be a nice add to left field for them. good like good defender
0: resurgent yeah yeah
1: yeah. i mean so i there's a lot of just kind of i think there's just a lot of unknowns still really i really do
0: interesting okay well we will we will obviously be back with you multiple times between now and the trade deadline as things evolve we're going to keep our finger on the pulse as things continue to change in the Phillies will almost certainly make some sort of acquisition. it's just a matter of who at this point and about two weeks out, we still just don't quite know to leave you today. I want to finish with a Dylan Covey fact because oh, I feel man. like that's how most episodes should end these days, Matt in Dylan's last, let's see, two, four, six, eight, and Dylan's last nine appearances with the Phillies. He has thrown 208 total pitches. How many swinging strikes do you think he's had in those 208 total pitches?
1: Uh, seven.
0: You would be exactly correct. It what? Is seven, It is seven in 208. <laughs> oh we d- we did not rehearse what this. Is, we what we is did that? not. That is oh not God, a plan. 3 3.3%. That, 3. 3%. <laughs> that oh, is yeah. 3%. It's seven in 200. I, I can't believe you got that. Wow. Wow. It is. <laughs> it is <laughs> It is (laughs) 7 and 208 pitches. That is this week's Dylan Kobe fact. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we got that. Um, Okay. There's no better way to end an episode than that. Thank you all for listening as we slowly lose our minds every week. Go read Matt's stuff at theathletic.com. The resiliency story is really great, especially if you're into intangibles. Like, I think you should be with this Philly squad. Um holy crap okay yeah we'll catch you all next week thanks once again to the fine folks at phillies nation for helping spread the word phillies helping to uh to syndicate this thank you if you're listening on their pages as well uh for matt i am paul we'll catch you next week